and welcome to show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking, the only podcast recorded by a comedian without any plan whatsoever. No work ethic has gone into this podcast. Does that mean you shouldn't listen? I hope not. Just keep listening. Who knows what could happen? It could go off the rails. Wouldn't that be exciting? I mean, it's not going to go off the rails that much because I could just stop recording and re-record it. It's not like live television where it really could screw. It's not like radio. It's not like radio where at any moment... Do you ever think that... What what if I just called... What if I just called Kyle Sanderlands on the radio right now and, and, and just really put them in an awkward spot? Used a word you're definitely not meant to use at some group of people. Depending on how brave you are, there's different levels. You know, there's a... Uh, you could, could you just, couldn't you just yell, you could just yell, because I think there's a thing, because I'm pretty sure there's a thing where you can, uh, they get a delay, right, there's like a button they can press, I'm pretty sure this is a thing, that there's a button you can press at some point, where the last 15 seconds just gets wiped, uh, which I've heard about, but I don't know for sure, it seems like it'd be, it could be one of those things that I've, uh, I've heard people talk about on the radio, it could be like, you know how some people just buy the, uh, Equipment that makes it look like your your house has an alarm, but actually it doesn't have anything. Like you just put the the sticker that says this place is secured by, but it isn't. Maybe it's like that. Maybe that we're all just drawn into the lie. But if you really, if you really dialed up Alan Jones and yelled cunts down the microphone for too long, I apologize to my mother. She's told me to stop saying that word on this podcast. Maybe they have no recourse and we're just, we've, we've never tried it. Give it a go. Give it a go. I, in in the name of the show, some respect. Tom Whitcomb pot, uh, is show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. Is that what it's called? Podcast. Just call call your least favorite radio station. Try and narrow it down to one because there's probably several. Aren't most of them terrible? And just yell at the radio DJ for doing his job um, and see how they react. See if it because I'm pretty sure when you call into the radio and you get that kind of echo, you know, sometimes people call up and they get that echoey thing happening because they didn't mute the radio when they were talking. I think it's happening live. And yet, I listen to the radio most days, and yet I very rarely hear people dialing up and yelling obscenities uh, at radio DJs just to see what might happen. So give it a crack. Give maybe try it out on uh, maybe try it out on like a a a, a a a a member of the Sydney comedy scene who's recently. No, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not petty like that. I'm only happy for everyone else's success. I've reached the state of my career now that I've been in comedy for about five years now, that people that I came up with and that I'm surrounded by are getting like mainstream media opportunities. And I'm like, oh, here's that bitterness everyone was talking about. I thought, because right up until now, I just didn't think I deserved anything. But now I'm like, I think I deserve everything. I think I deserve all of it. I think I do need pretty much everything that, that is on offer should come my way. I had a thought, you know what I would love? You know what I would would absolutely love? To become famous enough that I could feature an Australian Survivor. I would love that. And it can't be the other way around because I've thought about this. I've thought about applying for Australian Survivor before. But in the context of my comedy career, I refuse. I refuse to go onto a reality TV show as an aspiring comedian because that's the pits. I've seen a handful of comics come out of the world of like married at first sight and try to turn that into a career. It's not, it's not a good idea. So anyway, and that guy, if you know which one I'm talking about, has been nothing but lovely to me, but also you are, you are playing from a handicap position from the jump because people will, I will, 
people will never take you seriously. You're the anyway. Don't don't get. I, I'm not going to go into that. Lovely guy. I don't know anything about him, but also like in the scene, he's very anyway. You know what I keep. I'm like I'm not going to go in any further into this, but also here's me going further into this. I would love to be famous enough that I go on to Australian Survivor um, from a from a totally fresh perspective. But also, but also, I've realized that the type of comedy that I have done almost 100% prohibits me from doing that. There is no way Channel 10, I think 10, are throwing me on Celebrity Survivor. Australian comedian Tom Whitcomb on this season of Survivor. And then I'm like, oh, who's this Tom Whitcomb guy? Let's look it up on Instagram. Uh, there is a lot of stuff uh, really insulting fat people on here. I don't know. And to be fair, that's not necessarily what I think I do in my comedy. I don't actually think I'm insulting fat people. I think I'm actually making a very pointed and poignant commentary about the nature of body image and, uh, and and acceptance of bodies. Really, is it driven by true empathy for those people? Or is it driven by the way that you want to be perceived by the, by the culture at large? Does the culture actually reward a certain perspective on the world more so than the people who actually want to hold that perspective believe in it? That's what I'm trying to do. But to the to the layman, to to the the common man, what it really looks like is me really putting the boot into the obese, and uh, look, that's fun too. And I don't know how Channel Ten would feel about that because, based on my presumptions of the free to air television audience, uh, the ugly and the obese probably account for a large portion of it. Depending, I mean. Relative to the number of KFC commercials that I see on free-to-air television, I'm like, there must be a demographic here. And I don't know if you've noticed this, KFC's advertising uh, seems to exclusively revolve around, fuck it, just eat it. KFC advertising, predominantly, the the brand positioning is, don't be a fucking loser and, and think about, just eat it. Just eat, just shut up and eat it. My heart's close, shut up. But my doctor says, shut up, eat the chicken. Eat it. Eat it now. Doesn't it look good? But I, I want to I live to see my daughter get... Just fucking eat it! Anyway. Um, was that good? We got, a, we got a great podcast for you guys today. On, on Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking. The only podcast made by a comedian without a plan. We have... Oh, look... This is the disappointing thing about recording a podcast four days before release uh, is news becomes so irrelevant so quickly. If you'd have told me on Thursday morning when I recorded this podcast last week that by Thursday afternoon there'd have been stories of Dominic Perrottet wearing a Nazi uniform, I probably would have shuffled some things around. I might have made a slightly different plan. My day may not have played out the way that it ended up playing out. Uh, And so here we are instead, a full week since recording, a full 12 days since release. And here I am talking about a story that we've all forgotten about, that our fearless leader, Dominic Perrette, has fallen for the absolute classic trap that too many politicians fall into. In fact, some might say all politicians, which is do something wrong once and from then on be branded in alignment with that for the rest of our life. Can you imagine if we were all politicians? Could you imagine the level of scrutiny? Because it's all confirmation bias stuff. It's all starting from the perspective of I hate this person. 
Can anyone give me any evidence to uh, to prove that I don't need to rethink that at all? Uh, now, am I defending a man for wearing a Nazi uniform at his 21st birthday? I was on the last episode of this podcast that I recorded about half an hour ago before deciding this might not be the best take. That definitely was the angle I was going down. You know how comedy works. Take something horrific, take a terrible opinion, and just say it, and hope for the best. That's what I do. That's very much my style. Say something deeply problematic, hope for the best. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to comedy for the last three three or four years. It's a really great time to be doing that. It's a really excellent time to just say really horrible things about marginalized groups of people and just hope people get it. And they always get it, don't they? Everyone gets irony now more than ever. And if you think I'm being sincere right now, you're part of the problem. The, 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 the proliferation of autism diagnoses in society right now is not good for a stand-up comedian who heavily relies on an understanding of sarcasm and irony. An inability to read tone is, I mean, you write my comedy, you you write my comedy act down on paper with no insinuation whatsoever that it was meant to be funny. You'd be like, this guy needs to be put down. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, that is how a lot of people seem to interpret comedy at the minute. Uh, you know, when it is transcribed from what's said on a comedy stage in front of a group of people who have paid to see comedy into a tweet from a feminist who is hoping Clementine Ford steps down pretty soon because someone else uh, needs to get themselves on the Daily Mail and be angry for a living. Um, anyway, we got we got we got to go into that whole Dominic Perrottet stuff. Do we? Didn't I just do that? No, we need to go into it more. We need to talk about a new story again, largely irrelevant. Would have been great to have talked about it about a month ago. Did anyone know an Argentinian woman went missing after getting her tits out at the FIFA World Cup? Did anyone know this? Was this? Because I, I came across it the other day. I was like, well, I've got to talk about this on the podcast. And then I went back to look on it. It was a story from like a month ago. And Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it in just a second. Um, I've still got a little bit, of, little bit of detail I need to run you through from my, my big trip, my big international trip. Namely, what movies did I watch on the plane? You know that great conversational starter when someone arrives at a, at a new place and you're like, number one, how is the jet lag? Great conversation. How, how are you sleeping? That's number one question when someone comes back from a holiday uh, after, how was it? And number two, do you see any good movies on the plane? Classic. Classic conversation started with someone you'd rather not be having a conversation with. And uh, so that's that's where I'm going for my uh, opt-in podcast. As opposed to a conversation where you can't just leave, you can just hit pause, which is not, you know, not ideal uh, for me. It would be... what I would really love is a captive audience. I would like to lock all of you into a room and just talk. Just talk at you and not really give you any chance to interject. I mean, that is the one benefit of the way this is happening is no one, you can't talk back. This is it. This is a one-way conversation. This is all me, baby. Um, but, uh, but, but, but we make do. Hey, by the way, just wanted to really point out, last week's episode, bit of an uptick in listens. Audience is growing. I don't know whether that's because you guys were just excited it was back. I don't know if it's because you told a friend. Hey, and if you did tell a friend, tell another one. Or if someone told you, you tell someone now. Just let's, you, if, if, if everyone here tells two people 
And all of those people tell two people. And all of those people tell two people. And all of those people tell two people. I'll be on the Joe Rogan podcast in like 10 days. And he'll be like, do you just want to host this from now on? Why don't you be the new Red Band? Do you remember Red Band? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Um, I, so I got, I got to talk to you about movies I watched on the plane. Spoiler alert, they came out about six years ago. So again, we're really hitting different levels of uh, irrelevance in, 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 in a lot of different ways. And I have a note here that says wheelchair train. Now, I know what that means, but you probably don't. What does wheelchair train mean? What could that mean? Well, we'll come back around to it. You'll, you'll know. You'll know in, in not too long just exactly what wheelchair train could mean. And what it means to me. Let's start with the Dom Perrottet thing. I mean, gee. Weren't the early 2000s a great time? Cast yourself back. So now, here's here's what I have learned and part of the reason that I'm recording this podcast for the second time today. Number one, Dominic Perrottet is 40 years old. Did that blow anyone's minds right there? 40. Picture Dominic Perrottet. Okay. Now, picture me plus 10 years. That's the same person, apparently, except uh, with a more Christian upbringing. But uh, I've heard Dominic Perrottet also a little Christian, so who knows. Uh, Dominic Perrottet, 40 years old. I was interpreting this story the whole time thinking Dom Dom Perrottet was at least in his mid-50s. So I'm like, oh, come on, guys. It was the mid-90s. No one had cell phones. We didn't know how bad the Holocaust was. (laughs) Well, we didn't know. We didn't know. We weren't taught these things in schools, talking about it like it's invasion day. Well, how were we to know? No one talked about it. We didn't know the Holocaust happened. Six million? Why didn't you tell us? No, we all knew. We were all aware. It was a big part of the curriculum for a long time, I dare say. Uh, so, look, hard to defend him on that front. Um, you know, Dominic Perrottet, much like the Nazis, hard to defend on two fronts, east and west, for your history buffs out there. Remember Russia? Remember when Russia were part of the good guys? Those were the days. Um, so I, I'd be very surprised if anyone rem- if anyone remembers the days when Russia were the good guys, a.k.a. is somewhere around 80 years old. Please let me know. I would be stunned. In any case, Dominic Perrot. Look, think about this, though. Early 2000s. It's 2000 and what? So he's 40 years old. Is 19 years. It's, two, it's 2004. A young 21-year-old Dominic Perrottet is throwing a party. He makes his way to his local fancy dress shop. At, it is, it is, we're a decade away from those costumes where you could like inflate the front of it and it's a horse or a dinosaur that has little fake legs on it and it looks like you're riding it. That hasn't even been invented yet. We're, we, we, have, we don't even have morph suits yet. The fancy dress landscape is barren. It's, every, it's the cliches. It's pirate. It's cowboy. It's ghost. What? And, and by ghost, you know, bedsheet. Not Ku Klux Klan. Not Ku Klux Klan, which is, was the other one that Dominic Perrottet was probably considering for his 21st birthday. Different type of bedsheet, pointier hat. You probably, you need the hat. I mean, the body is the same, but the hat is different. Um, so... Dominic Perrottet is leafing his way through fancy dress shop. There's not even a costume box. He can't even do this online. He's had to go in person. 2004 fancy dress shops selling Nazi uniforms. It, does that blow anyone's mind? 
it's it's not like this was a family relic handed down through the ages back when the Perites had a much more complicated name that they had to anglicize for the way the Germans had been villainized. Rightly so, I, I think. I personally think probably. Um, but, you know, you make your own decisions. No, no, Dominic Perrottet went to a fancy dress shop and he was like, uh, can, can you show me to the N section? I'm looking for a ninja costume. And they're like, well, uh, alphabetically, sir, there's one before that we think you might be a little bit interested in. And boy, were they right. Because Dominic Perrottet thought, this is going to be a laugh. This is going to be great. And I think, where does Nazi costume fall relative to blackface? Between Justin Trudeau and Dominic Perrottet, who has crossed a bigger line? I think blackface probably worse. I think blackface is worse because it actually, it, it asks much more of the costume wearer. You've, got, you've had to go to quite the length. You've had a lot of time. There must be a moment. There must, no matter what era it was, even back to the minstrel days where you're standing in front of a mirror in minute, I'm going to say it's, it's got to, how long do you reckon it takes to blackface up? It's got to take a while, right? It can't, it's not that easy. There's got to be a period between 20 to 30 minutes as you are uh, applying the makeup slash hope, God forbid, shoe polish. But I mean, there was a time to your face. We go, I don't know about this. This feels... Oh, I, could someone maybe be offended by this? Maybe. I'm just, I'm just throwing ideas out there. Um, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't feel like the way this was meant to be used. Do you know? Nazi uniform, on the other hand, until you put the red armband on, you're pretty much just dressed as a safari park operator. It's just khaki. At that stage. Now, I don't know whether he was full SS. Because in theory, and I guess it's the Holocaust of it all. But uh, would that be a good name for my next comedy festival show? Tom Whitcomb, the Holocaust of it all. Possibly not. If you go in World War One German with like helmet with single spike out the top, as if you're, you're a cyclist concerned about magpies, probably okay. Probably all right. You've probably got a bit of a pass on that. But for some reason... Same German, the exact same German military rank only 20 years later, very problematic, a real issue. Um, but it is ju it's just the armband. You take the armband off. In fact, if you think about it, presuming the armband's on the left-hand side, if you only had photos of Dom Perrottet in profile from the right, I don't even know if you can cancel him for that. You can presume. You can make some assumptions about what that costume is, but you don't know. You don't know at all. I mean, for, he could be a British legionnaire in the Middle East. He could be on the other side of the war entirely, just wearing a, 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 a beige that feels comfortable in certain climates. And now that I'm thinking about it, why do Nazis wear... Do Nazis wear... Uh, what is... It's not beige. I was just saying this word for, for so long. What's khaki? Will they wear... Did, okay. If I Google Nazi fancy dress, what happens if I Google Nazi fancy dress? What comes up? Uh, New Dominic, yeah, New Premier Dominic Perrottet. That's what comes up. I probably could have guessed that. What if I do it in shopping? <laughs> Your search Nazi fancy dress did not match any shopping results. I bet it did 20 years ago. I reckon there were a couple of results. I think how long between... Now, no khaki at all. I mean, red... Oh, no, here's one. With the red... Inglorious Bastards. You can get the Inglorious Bastards uh, 
uniform. That's pretty good. Gestapo officer. Uh, Halloween fancy dress shop slammed for selling offensive Nazi uniform. What year was this? This is in the Scotsman from 2019. So it isn't. It it's 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 been around. I still yeah. Look, most of it. So you can. I don't know, it's costumes, Amazon, men's German soldier costume. So you can still get men's German soldier costume medium, but you would have to make your own swastika armband if you wanted to fit in. If you really wanted to fit in, you would you would have to do that. Uh, a man who dressed five-year-old Sunday Nazi Halloween costume says it was a quote unquote bad decision. I think I think he might be spot on. This is a, a, a an image of a man with his son, uh, both dressed as Nazis for Halloween in 2018. So this is a this is a modern problem apparently. This is uh, some people thought I know that uh, I know that we've had some issues with uh, members of royalty in the past dressing up as the bad guys in the Second World War. But I reckon the world is due for a, uh, a return to form. Um, and, uh, oh my, isn't that... I Okay, so personal experience here. In high school, I remember being at a fancy dress party. Two of my friends, whose names I know but aren't going to say... I'll give you first names, Marty and Tom. And there are two different Marty and Tom. You, if you knew, if you went to my school, you might be thinking of somebody else. But no, it's different guys. I mean, I'm not, and you know what? I didn't even do my due diligence to know it was them. But I'm pretty sure it was. Anyway, who cares? First names. What are you going to do with that? Dressed as Saudi somethings. Were they terrorists? I don't recall. I think it might have been implied. They were... Full shoe polish face in 2009. And I remember as an 18-year-old, and I've grown since this, by the way, as an 18-year-old thinking, this is pretty funny. That is... Because it's so... It looks so ridiculous. No one else did it. And I was like, that's pretty pretty great. And and I think at the time, a thought may have been, I wish I... I wish I wish I had the bravery to do it. And in high school, I'm like, fuck, thank God. I didn't even think about doing that. My word. The, it's all over. Could you imagine? Dominic Perrottet, and this is in 2003 at least, like, as long as no one's brought a... Uh, uh, as long as no one has brought a digital camera or got a disposable camera developed, you're kind of in the clear. But 2009, that is... We're starting to get some very grainy Nokia images somewhere very potentially there is a Nokia 4510 with a 2 megapixel camera and a and a 100 megapixel hard drive in a drawer which is just begging to be charged cuz in it are some photos of some people in some very questionable costumes that or i mean 2009 we're talking facebook albums there are facebook albums of that party and you better hope you're not in the background of any of them what a what a thrill what a what a what a great Great time. Um, so I, f- for those of us, I mean, please, oh, I would love this. If you were listening, if you were listening and you wore a questionable costume to a party and you don't know if there are images out there, it can be anonymous. I don't know how. I don't know how it can be anonymous. I won't say your name. I'll know and we'll be closer because the best way to get closer to one, someone is to have a secret. If if there's a party that you dress, maybe you, maybe you went as a race here not. <laughs> Maybe maybe you went as a reference to a horrible, horrible war crime. Uh, let me know. 
I would love to know that. Please. This is me being real with you, my fans. Please tell me. I want to know. Um, I just very, I, I was going to go and I've already spent 15 minutes talking about this, but I got I to gotta lean into this very quickly. In my searching for this, I searched Prince Harry because obviously the other famous Nazi uniform wearing 20-year-old, the Prince of Wales, no, not the Prince of Wales, the other one, the not Prince, the Prince of Wales's brother, uh, Prince Harry obviously wore the Nazi uniform and there's a news article from this year because obviously Prince Harry's in the news fuck me anyway about he talks about it in the book and he blames his brother and uh, Kate Middleton for like egging him on to wear it isn't that so funny that you're like a grown man and you are blaming your brother he's like Oh, I gotta find this article. Harry Nazi uniform. It literally came out like literally nine days ago. Who chose Prince Harry's Nazi uniform? Prince Harry claims William and Kate encouraged him to wear Nazi uniform. You fucking lose. You first of all, you snitch, and you loser. That you're like my my brother. My brother told me to. I didn't. I was like, what should I wear? And my brother was like, wear. You should wear a Nazi uniform, and him and his girlfriend laughed, and his girlfriend was very pretty, and I felt very uncomfortable, so I, I thought I wore it, and then and then the press got a hold of it, and it was really sad. It's like, yeah, you were twenty years old, Harry. You could make your own. Dec- I know you've been sucking at the teat of the monarchy your entire life. Make a decision for yourself. What isn't their fault, Prince Harry? What isn't your brother's fault at this point? Jesus, I, I, man. I can't tell what the current perspective is on this guy because it seems like it's swimming about. It seems like we're all very pro-Harry at the moment. I mean, oh, God. Absolute, what a fucking loser. Seriously. You're a grown man. You're blaming your brother for convincing you. When you're 20, you were 20. Make a decision. Jesus. Anyway. You like me sharing some emotion on this podcast? I don't know if I really feel, I don't really care. Um, all right, which way? So I will, I will very briefly, because his, I'm, I am stunned by how much time I'm taking up on this podcast. And maybe you are too. I have three things I have to talk about. Argentinian woman has gone missing, wheelchair train and movies. And I talked about the movies last week and I said I was going to talk about them and I skipped them. So I kind of feel like I should hit that. Um, wheelchair train. (laughs) It's just, it's not even, it's not even worth, I was thinking about saying it on stage tonight. I want to say it on the podcast first, just to say it out loud for the first time. But um, when we were in the Japanese airport on the way back from London, I saw this thing. I'd never seen it before. It was a guy on like a little kind of like pulley cart. No, it was it was like an electric, like kind of almost like it looked like one of those like ride-on lawnmower style things. And hooked to the back of it was not one, not two, but five different people on wheelchairs all of them hooked to each other, kind of like 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 one of those trains that you see, like going through uh, a, a Disneyland, where they're just like individual carriages behind each of them with like a single child, except they were 85 years old and they were in wheelchairs. Now, in case you're feeling awkward about this, it's uh, I want to point out, I saw several of those people get both in and out of the wheelchair, which sound, it always feels like a bit of a betrayal, doesn't it? Seeing someone get out of a wheelchair 
is like, oh, I know you didn't say that you couldn't use your legs, but there's a presumption. There is a, a, there is definitely a hint of an assumption that you probably a very, you know, disabled. But when you see someone just hop out, like, oh, you didn't want to walk? Obviously, none of us want to walk through an airport. Can I have one of those? Is there room at the back of the train for me? What's the pulling power on this? What kind of horse? It was kind of like watching, uh, in you know, in 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 uh, in shopping soup in supermarkets where they're they're kind of returning all the trolleys back to the bay. That's what it kind of looked like. The guy pulling the whole heap of trolleys back, but ex- except it was uh, one of those cheap supermarkets. So to to get one of the wheelchairs out, you needed to put a gold coin in there to to unlock it and take your old person away. That's that's what it felt like. Is that was that worth it? Was that worth writing down or talking about? Um, the Argentinian woman's comments. Again, a non-news story. I saw a thing on social media recently about a woman, and it was a picture of a woman with her tits clearly out but blurred over. And I'm like, well, you've got my attention. Uh, I obviously need to know more about this, Daily Mail UK. And it was basically, Daily Mail UK, by the way, the go-to for trashy news if you want to make a podcast about news that isn't that important and you don't really need to research very much. Um, (laughs) This girl at the FIFA World Cup final in Qatar, by the way. I don't know uh, if you guys know a lot about Qatar or the way it feels about women or the way it feels about nudity or the way it feels about nude women but perhaps getting your tits out at the most watched event in Qatari history not the best call easy to say in hindsight hindsight vision is 2020 isn't it but um (laughs) this woman in the celebration for the Argentinian final win got her tits out and there were several news articles to say Basically was not heard from again, which is dramatic and also quite funny. Once you know she's fine. Once you know she's fine. You know what's really great is there are two news articles that I've seen here, both uh, on different newspaper. Uh, one of them says, the fan who went topless at LaSalle Stadium is still missing. The other one says, topless Argentinian fan confirms she's safe. Which of those two articles do you think was more enticing? I have my presumption. I just love that obvious, they came out the same day. Joe.co.uk did their due diligence to find out whether this woman was still alive, by which I meant went to her Instagram, presumably in the hope of finding more topless photos, and instead found a note of safety and felt the need to report on it. Meanwhile, this other website has just gone, nah, we don't really need to look into this. As far as we're aware, she's still missing. Have you looked for her? No, not really. But I guess from our perspective, she is missing. Um, and look, here's what I will say to this. Uh, by the way, this woman is like her Instagram handle is like the, the naked Argentinian or something. Like she is milking this for all it is worth. It's down here. What, what is her, uh, La Chica del Topless, um, which is her brand positioning, which is uh, good stuff. I'm, uh, his, 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 look, you don't deserve to go to a Qatari prison for it. Certainly. Certainly, you probably shouldn't uh, spend time in a Middle Eastern jail cell. However, what are you doing getting your tits out of the World Cup final? I'll tell you what, you're trying to make it about you, aren't you? You're trying to take 
the biggest moment in Lionel Messi's career and say, hey, 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 guys, what about me? I know we're watching one of the greatest football players of all time cement his legacy, but hey, woo, over here. I, look, I think you deserve maybe a night in a Qatari prison for that. Just get over yourself. Keep your... Ch- what? No one else's shirt... No. And now, to be fair, I'm looking at the top. Some men also have their top off. And I think it's it's not quite the same because it just doesn't... It doesn't attract the same amount of attention, does it? It is still attention-seeking behavior. And those guys, you know what? Put them in prison too. I, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm nothing if not egalitarian and a champion for equality. But, uh, I mean, really. We know what you were trying to do. We know what, and, and, and you know what's happened is she's had a lot, she's been found and she's had a lot of attention and she's going to do it again. All right. The next time there's a major sporting event in a country where women have very few rights, she's going to be on the first plane there and she's not wearing a bra. And one of these days it's going to, it's going to bite her. It is going to bite her. And when it does, this podcast is going to celebrate about it as long as it's not too much because then that would be a bad look if it's if it becomes topless argentinian woman executed in the streets uh sydney-based podcast to throw a celebratory episode that might be a bit much but you know a bit of a longer stint a couple of days couple, i don't even know if she went to prison i think she just went about her life of course she did she's attractive anyway no that's not true i i should take that i should take that last bit back uh i, I don't know that for sure uh, oh, I don't think being attractive in Qatar gets you a whole lot, unfortunately. But, you know, let's see. Where am I going with this? Movies. Let's talk about some movies from the mid-2010s, shall we? That that seems like some hot content. Uh, hey, just a, a quick pause to say, hey, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Like I said in my Instagram story, growing this podcast, big plan for this year. I'm going to make it better. I recorded 15 minutes of this podcast that was perfectly serviceable. You don't think a part of me was like, just put it out, who gives a shit? But I stopped and I started again and I made this and this is the better version. And if you're surprised by that, that hurts. But if you're listening, I'm like, this is, this is a really good episode. Well, you know, luck is where is, is where preparation means opportunity and that's, that's what this podcast is right now. Uh, does that make sense? Maybe not. But thanks for listening. Please continue to spread the word. Tell your friends about Shows from Respect. Tom Whitman is talking. Get, get them on board. I'm going to grow this podcast if it's the last thing I fucking do. Um, movies. I watched three movies on the plane. I watched a movie called Vice, which was about Dick Cheney. I thought it was great. And then I read some reviews, and they all said it was shit. And now I question my opinions. Um, isn't it great when you love a movie, and you don't know how it's reviewed, and then you see the reviews, and the reviews are actually like, I know. I know about culture. I can. I know art. Or even, but then, what about when you hate a movie and it gets good reviews? Because then you're like these fucking simpletons. People just take in anything these days. And then, yeah, watch a movie and you hate it, and you see everyone else hate it, and you're like, yeah, all right. Thanks for confirming. I wasted all of my time. I watched Her, which I do. It's one of my favorite films. Her. If you don't know, Her is uh, a movie about Joaquin Phoenix falling in love with a very advanced version of Siri. It asks some very interesting questions about what is love? And can you love something that isn't human? Can you fall in love with something without there being a physical connection? It's a, it's a good question. And one I found myself pondering during the uh, excellent 2016 Spike Jones film. Is it Spike Jones? I'd be very impressed if I, if I got that. Let's have a look. Her movie 
Uh, Spike Jones, shit, yeah. 2013, fuck, it's been around for a long time. And with all this AI stuff, it is... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to falling in love with Siri. I I could really get around that. And especially if Siri is, is voiced by... Who is it? Scarlett Johansson. That's right. It's very good. It's very. It's a very, very good film that I would highly recommend. Get into it. Get into that movie. And then Call Me By Your Name, another movie about a non-traditional romantic relationship. <laughs> you know, her falling in love with the code of AI, Call Me By Your Name, falling in love with someone of the same sex. It's pretty much the same film. It's pretty much, it asks some very interesting questions. Can you fall in love with someone who's your... Look, now, Call Me By Your Name, if you're not aware. This is the one I really want to delve into. Call Me By Your Name is a 2017 film. It's Timothy Chalamet's breakout piece. Uh, it is about uh, two... Let's read, what's, what's, what is the uh, Wikipedia... Oh, no, here we go. Elio, a teenager, develops feelings for Oliver, his father's temporary assistant. Although the relationship is temporary, Elio realizes his sexual orientation and tries to come to terms with it. It is about two men in Italy, it's set in the 80s, who are both obviously living in a time of real confusion about sexuality and sexual orientation. What is and isn't okay? And... um, and, and, and it takes them for a while to, to kind of come to terms with their relationship with one another. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and at the start, they're kind of, you know, shielding their sexuality. They're engaging in sex with, with women. And i got to say, show some respect, Tom Wickham is talking, the perspective on this movie of, of Call Me By Your Name. I loved the first 45 minutes. The first 45 minutes where it's Elio and Oliver making their way through Italy, drinking wine, banging chicks and riding bicycles in the sun. What a great film. What I would have given just for another hour of that before it got a little fruity. You know, before they started having to pull in the whole like guy on guy kissing stuff. That was a little bit, I don't know. It felt a little bit much for some of us. I just don't know if that's really what we should be exposing the youth to. They're going to get some really strange ideas. I was uncomfortable with how uncomfortable I was. Does that make sense? If I become sincere with you all. I was surprised and a little bit embarrassed by how embarrassed I was watching two men kiss. That's still deep in me. I'm being very vulnerable with you because I am aware this is not a good opinion to have in the 2020s. I should have come to terms with love is love and that all romances are equal. And what's the difference? It's just two men kissing instead of a man or woman or two women kissing. Uh, little, spo- little, little insight into my head. Two women kissing, I'm pretty okay with that. I've come to terms with that. Some, In fact, I've been okay with it for a long time. Since my teens, I've been very comfortable with two women kissing. Two men kissing put me on edge more than anyone with my political affiliations, which might surprise you, uh, should have. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know, there's this quote I was reading in the, in the, uh, the trivia for this film about Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer, the two, uh, the, the two actors in this film. One of them still successful and around. The other one has some interesting perspectives on cannibalism. Do you Googling if you want to look into it? Because I'm not going to. I don't really know. Army Hammer's been cancelled and he sent a whole bunch of really weird... He, I, he, I think a lot of cancellation just comes from being a fucking weirdo. 
uh, especially sexually, and there's only a matter of time before they catch up with you. That's another podcast. But they were talking about how Army Hammer was like, you know, uh, I, I don't know why he has a British accent. I don't know what Army Hammer sounds like. He was talking about how, like, he did a lot of male-on-male kissing for this role, and the only thing he felt uncomfortable about was uh, dancing on camera, uh, which is an interesting combination where it's like, oh, yeah, I'll... I'll I'll kiss a very young-looking boy. By the way, Timothy Chalamet playing, like, a young... 17 years old. Uh, Army Hammer playing... I think they're both, like... They're both playing ages... No, they're both going down a bit. I think they're both, like, acting a little bit younger than they really are. But when you're like, oh, I'm, I'm very comfortable simulating making love and, and uh, blowing a, a young boy. But uh, dancing? Pfft, seems a little gay. Seems a little... A little gay for me. A little bit. What am I, a fairy? No. Can't we just go back to the uh, to, to to the mutual fellatio scene? Uh, that seems a little bit. Uh, there's some. There's a little bit of grit to that. No, I was. Uh, it was. It was. It was a real, real moment of recognition of that. I still have some some stuff. I got. I got some stuff down there. I got some uh, real. All boys' private Anglican school shame lurking below the surface, which is not going anywhere. That was my big takeaway from Call Me By Your Name. Oh, and also the whole premise of Calling Me By Your Name. If you haven't seen the film, there the, the reason it's called Call Me By Your Name is they do this weird sexual thing where he's like, you say my name and I'll say your name. So they're basically shouting their own names during sex. And no one seems to really explain what it is about that which isn't creepy. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. That is odd. That is true. Feeling the need, like pretending you're having sex with your... I would never do that. I, it's funny how if you watch Call Me By Your Name, there's actually almost no homophobia in it. Despite the fact it's happening in the 80s in the midst of the AIDS crisis, everyone seems very comfortable including Elio's parents, that he has a relationship with another man, which is, you know, all fine and everything. But no one, everyone understands. Everyone's very lovely. There's no real pushing back against it. And I'm not saying that, you know, obviously it, it, it doesn't diminish the experience of these men and the struggle of coming to terms with their sexuality. However, what I did find was I was becoming the curmudgeonly uh, middle-aged uh, man from a different era who had an issue with it. Like, I found myself being like, oh, Elio, what do you mean? What do you mean you like Oliver? What's wrong with Marcia? You like Mar Marcia's a good girl. She likes you. You two get it. You should be with Marcia. Why'd you, why'd you have to be so rude to her? Oh, what are you doing, Oliver, taking advantage of a young man? He doesn't know who he is. That's how I, that's how I felt. So uh, a lot of growing to do in 2023 for this guy. But, you know, I think it's important to be honest with it. And uh, that, I hope, absolves me from having to do anything else about it and with that is this the end am i ending this podcast i guess it is sudden should i try all right wait a sec i'm gonna try and find a joke to end this on because i feel like just to just to end by talking about the fact that i still have some like kind of a little bit of deep-seated homophobia inside me is that what i was saying is that what that meant oh, um 
but uh, let's see if I, I can't find uh, uh, a, a joke to finish on. That's always a good way to, to end it, isn't it? Give me, give me, give me. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm back. I got, all right. I've, I've, I've gone looking. I like to end on a joke. Here we go. Here's the joke. An old Jewish man is lying in his deathbed and he's got his tearful wife by his side. And uh, he turns to his wife and he says, Moira, my beautiful Moira, you were with me many years ago when the Germans took our home and so many of us suffered. And Moira just simply nodded. And he said, and years later, you were with me when my business failed and I nearly lost everything. And Moira tearfully nodded again. He said, now you're here by my side through my sickness to my last moment. I'm starting to think you're bad luck, Moira. <laughs> I don't know if I liked that, but that'll do. Is that was that worth it? Is that worth the false start on the ending? It's a pretty good joke. I quite liked it. Guys, thank you. Thank you for tuning in yet again. Show some respect, Tommy. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. Hope that's coming across. Hope you're having a good time too. Thanks for listening in. Keep listening. Keep telling your friends. Go back to some old episodes. Listen to how it's improved. Or, or don't. I don't know. I'll see you next week. But until then, have a great week. See ya.